Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the best DC Comics podcast. This is episode six, where I'm going to be going through the Spectre number five from 1993, a story called A Rage in Hell. Before I do that, though, please go over to our Twitter, and it is Weird Science DC. Follow us. We'll follow you back 100%. That is a promise. Also, go to our website, WeirdScienceDCComics.com, where we review just about every issue from DC that comes out each and every week. And then go over to our Patreon, Patreon.com slash Weird Science, where you can get plenty of shows, many like this one you're about to here and just as a other side note if you're listening to this podcast somewhere you you can subscribe rate and review then please do so that does help us out as well but with all that said and done let's get into this issue which i said is the specter number five a rage in hell with a cover date of april 1993 written by john ostrander Pencils and inks by Tom Mandrake, colors by Digital Chameleon, and letters by Todd Klein. A cool watercolor-looking cover by Charles Vest that gives you an abstract idea of what's going to happen in this issue, where it looks like the Spectre is saving a little boy, possibly from the demons of hell. We'll see what all that is quick enough. And what I really like about this issue, why I think it is very, very good, is that John Ostrander hooks you right away, but not by getting a big exposition-filled page or even filling you in with any details. What you are given right away is the tension, is the horror, is the helplessness of a little boy. You end up seeing a cross-section of a graveyard with a pipe sticking out into the open air with a little word bubble saying, Mommy? Question mark. Oh, my God, what's this? And then you follow the pipe down. You go past coffins filled with decomposed bodies. And then finally, down below, way below, you end up seeing that in an open coffin buried that far below, there is a tiny little boy. And if you don't know right away that this is a real young boy, he then says, I scared mommy, just like a three, four-year-old might say. Now, the pipe going down into there is dripping water as well. So it's also giving air. It's an open pipe, but it's also raining out, and there is some water dripping in. Now, to make this even crazier, you end up having this little boy, whoever put him in this coffin, they ended up giving him a flashlight. I mean, that's the thing. If somebody buried him in here and gave him a flashlight, I don't think they're intending to keep him down there forever. Why would they care about a flashlight? Why would they give him air? So with that, though, he's holding the flashlight, and it's lit like the trope or cliche of telling scary stories around the campfire. When you pass the the flashlight to the next person, they shine the light up into their face. That's what he's doing. So you get this idea, a scary story, but it's not being told. It's being lived. By this little boy, and I think that just that, just that little deal, even the small just panel of the flashlight little boy, a air pipe with the water dripping, gives you so much of a setup of what's going on. Again, you would not put all that effort to put the air into there unless you're planning somehow to get him later. 
You don't want them to die. You want them to be there. You end up having the water dripping. Oh, no, what can that happen? You could fill the coffin up with water. And then just this little kid, I scared mommy. And then you end up going right next to there on the right side, right above the credits where a close-up of the kid's face now, because you have the shadows, too, playing with that flashlight up. But you see the one eye and you see a tear coming from it. This is a just a, a little boy just scared witless here. And it, it's horrible, especially if you're a parent. You don't even need to be. That's why this is a universal setup of, oh, my God, what's going on and how are we going to stop this? Well, then we just go and pretty much cold open to cold open. We go and we see a van screeching around a corner. Again, a cliche of hitting all the trash cans, things like that. The cops are now, you see, chasing this van. You go into the van and you see three people. An older man in the passenger side of the vehicle, a younger guy driving, and a girl in the back seat that does look very similar to the guy driving, except the guy driving has kind of a 70s mustache. But they're driving this van. The older guy in the passenger side says, if you hadn't run that stop sign, and the driver goes, it's not my fault. I didn't see no cop there, and we was in a hurry, right? So they're, they're frantic. You're going, and they're going. It's raining. You're going down an off-ramp, and you end up where the, what are you doing, Eddie? So you got a name. And he says, it'll be okay. I can make it. We'll cut off the truck there, and we'll lose the cops. Oh, no, Eddie. Oh, no. And all of a sudden, they start hydroplaning. They're skidding. We're skidding, Eddie. And he yells. The pavement's wet. It's not my fault. You you already get this idea of Eddie is Mr. It's not my fault. And you're getting the name Eddie a couple times, enough times that you actually remember that name. Well, they end up skidding in front of that truck that he was pointing out, which happens to be a fuel tanker truck, and everything blows up. They hit this truck, and there is a huge explosion. The cops that were chasing the van stopping. Oh, my God. What are we going to tell downtown? Uh, I hope we don't get in trouble. We better call an ambulance. Tell them to bring some body bags. Let's see what's going on. We still don't know any connections. We don't know what's going on. And this is where you do get the real twist of the story. And it's a clever one that I didn't see coming and never really heard a lot of stories like this using. Though I think that it, it's almost genius here, or it is. I mean, this is a really good issue. They do end up there where you see an ambulance bringing somebody into the Siegel Bailey Memorial Hospital that is named, by the way, after the Spectre's co-creators, Jerry Siegel and Bernard Bailey. And we find out pretty much what's going on. These people that were trying to get away from the cops. They were actually the kidnappers of that little boy. Little boy's name's Billy. They kidnapped Billy. Now, how they did it was the girl in the back seat, that was Billy's babysitter. They must have concocted a plan. And what they end up doing is they end up calling the parents and saying, listen, your boy is buried somewhere in the city. If you give us a ransom, we'll go collect the ransom. And then in return, we'll give you Billy's whereabouts. You can go dig him up and we'll all be happy. We'll be rich. You have your son. Hey, everybody wins. Well, the problem is when you have the kidnappers on their way to get the ransom, they have never told anybody where Billy is. And then they hit a tanker truck. Who's left to tell anybody where Billy is? The ransom means nothing. Now it's where is Billy and how could we ever find out? Well, 
they seem like there might be some luck because the ambulance pulling in ends up having the only one who did survive. It is Eddie, the driver. They end up saying, okay, we're going. These cops that were chasing us getting yelled at by a Lieutenant Kane, who's the one on the case. He's following them in, yelling. And so they end up going and trying to save Eddie just so that he can tell them where this boy is. If he dies, there's a very, very good chance that Billy will die as well, unless you have some supernatural thing going on, like the specter. But you end up having Lieutenant Kane has to go over and tell the parents, listen, the kidnappers, they never got to that ransom money. They ended up hitting a tanker truck. Two of them died. There's one that they're trying to you know, save right now. Uh, let's kind of prepare for the worst. If this guy dies, I don't know what we're going to do. We really are at a, a, you know, you hate to say it, but a dead end. And then the doctor comes in with a, a thumbs down. I mean, he just comes in. I, I just, I kept looking at it like, is he giving a thumbs down? Yep. He comes in. Bad news, people. That guy you brought in. Yeah, he's dead. He didn't make it. There was no way. He was pretty much dead before we even got him on the table. And the parents, Mr. and Mrs. Hoffman, Billy's parents, they just they know now i mean that's it that's a death sentence for their son oh my god billy how are we ever going to find him nobody's ever going to be able to oh my god so off panel somebody comes up to him and says kate is there anything i can do and you end up having this lady and and again this is an acquaintance this is somebody they know it's amy bitterman she is a social worker that they're you know acquaintances turns to her and says like really mean Unless you have a way of reaching the dead, there isn't. But uh, it's stressful. I mean, they just found out pretty much their their son is never going to be found. He's going to die. So she lashes out at Amy, which is unfortunate. But at least you get Amy saying, and that that what she said, if I can get a hold of somebody from the dead, if I can reach the dead, huh? So she starts walking down the hallway, and Lieutenant Kane comes up and says, "Amy, Amy," and Amy's still in thought, like. If there was only some way of contacting. Now, with that, she is thinking of Jim Corrigan. She's thinking of the specter that is an acquaintance of hers. She knows Jim Corrigan. In fact, they become kind of, you know, very, very close as this goes on. He appears. And I like the way he just kind of just comes up in a mist and he's there right in front of Lieutenant Kane as well. Uh, but even Lieutenant, oh, you must be Corrigan. I heard about you. You hocus pocus guy. He doesn't like anything. And you get Lieutenant Kane is like that guy who the only way you're going to solve a crime is by getting drunk on whiskey, smoking cigars, and punching the first guy you see. He is that kind of guy. He's not the hocus pocus kind. But Jim Corrigan goes, hey. And Amy says, oh, my God, I was just thinking about you. He's like, I know. That's why I'm here. What's up? And she explains that, hey, here's Lieutenant Kane. This is Jim Corrigan. Yeah, I heard about him. Hocus Pocus. And then tells Jim about, you know, this whole thing. The kidnappers died. We don't know where Billy's buried. Is there any way we can find this? And you have Jim Corrigan say, well, show me that body. Show me the body of the person who came in here. And they go in. Hey, he's a little extra crispy, right? A little gallows humor, more humor. And he's like, okay, well, I'm going to look here. That's where you also have Lieutenant Kane's like, yeah, I got other things to do. I'm not going to sit here and watch you do anything with a dead body or whatnot, Mr. Hocus Pocus. I'm out. He goes out. You know, he goes to the bar. He's going to go drink it up. Well, Jim says, listen, there is a way I can do this. What I'm going to have to do is I am going to have to follow this guy's soul 
I have to find him, and then maybe I can bring him back for a moment where he can then tell us where Billy is, and then, yeah, we'll be fine. But I'm going to need a tether. I'm going to need something. I need you afterwards. You have to keep thinking about me. I need a way to get back. If you don't do this, I might be stuck wherever, possibly hell. I don't really want that to happen. Are you up for this? Can you just think about and just think of this? What Jim Corrigan is saying, hey, listen, Amy, I am going to go to heaven, hell, and in between. I will go everywhere. I may have to fight for my life and my afterlife. I am going to maybe have to fight the devil himself. Can you just sit here and just keep thinking about me? You know, just don't stop thinking. Is Can you do this? And she goes, uh, I guess. I'm like, really, Amy? Like, he is doing things <laughs> that nobody should. He's breaking every law of, you know, everything of existence to find out where that. And you only have to think of him. You go, I guess. Now, it's funny, too, because that line usually I would think would be just the throwaway. Just something that, you know, John Ostrand so I guess. Okay, let's. But no. As Corrigan is being sucked into this dead body to get to his soul, he yells out, just, you have to be certain, Amy, please. And she says, I'll be here. Doesn't say I'll keep thinking of you. I mean, I'm still, if I'm Jim Corrigan, I'm like, oh, no, as I go into the afterlife. Oh, no, what is she going to do? But he does go in, and, and the first thing that he does is he says, the silver thread that tied the deceased to his mortal shell grows thin and faint. This means there's not a lot of time. You know, we got to get there. He's still kind of between. It's very, but I think that what he's saying and what he's thinking here is there is that point where your soul starts journeying towards its final judgment. Then you're going to go, you know, heaven, hell, we'll make it simple, heaven, hell. And hopefully I can get this guy before that happens. You know, you end up seeing a ton of souls, every make, model, whatever. They're all walking. They all look very upset. I mean, they're dead, but they're walking. Maybe I'll get lucky enough and I'll find this Eddie guy and he'll just be walking. I'll go up to him. Hey, we're going to use you for about five seconds. When we get back up there, you yell out where that boy is. Okay. And maybe you could even play the game. With Eddie of if you are able to do this If you help us out here This kind of would look good Maybe I'll put in a good word for you I I don't know that you're necessarily Going to be welcomed to the pearly gates right away But maybe this will lessen your sentence a little In in limbo or possibly hell Right? Maybe this can help But what the heck, it's worth a try, right? Uh, That's not how things go His soul's gone It's not there You do see dead men though Making a cameo Looks very bored He's there on like a a crevasse, kind of actually like a ledge looking down and like, oh, man, people are getting uglier and uglier by the day. That's what I think he's thinking. Uh, But, you know, the soul isn't there. This Eddie isn't walking, must have been judged. Now, it's funny, too, because Jim Corrigan is not going to play the game of I wonder if he went to hell. Now, it doesn't matter if you are the nicest guy. Your whole entire life. I mean, this guy could have been a model citizen. He could have never done any harm. The last act that he did was bury a little boy in a graveyard to get money. You're going to hell. You know, the heck with what you did before. You're going down below. Spectre knows this. Jim Corgan goes down to hell. And when he gets into hell, 
it's cool because he sees you know a couple people a couple of his greatest hits down here as he is looking for the soul of this eddie he ends up i mean if you're gonna get more of the greatest hits you get lewis snipe he sees first he's like i'm gonna get you specter well lewis snipe was one of the gangsters who originally helped kill the specter and recently had been sent to hell by the specter when he judged him because he found him he ended up being a guy who kind of got away with things a lot of people were involved there was a bunch of gangsters they all ended up killing the specter killing jim corrigan so when he came back to try to solve his own murder he ended up getting a bunch, but some did disappear. And in the first issue of this series, of this volume three, this Lewis Snipe ended up getting found by Jim Corgan, by the Spectre. He ended up kind of interrogating him. The guy's like, hey, I don't know what you're talking about. And then went into his soul and had to fight him to pretty much judge him. And now he's in hell. So this is a new recruit to hell, but he blames the Spectre. Oh, it's you did this. You did this. No, no, no. No, Snipe. You did it, he says. And then he goes by his father, Jebediah Corrigan, who is just like, eh, I don't really blame you for this, but hey, this is what they say, that the son follows the father. You're going to be down here with me. They'll probably park your butt right next to me. It's going to be great. Whatever. I don't believe you, Dad, because he says this is all the lies of hell. This is all the lies of Shaddon the Eternal, the demon who is running things here. And so the Spectre has had battles with Shadden, and they don't like each other, obviously. And unfortunately, the Spectre is kind of got to ask for a favor, has to ask, hey, have you seen this Eddie guy? And if you have, is there any way? And his name's Eddie Vega. Have you seen Eddie Vega around? You know, new recruit, you know, kind of a jerk, blames everyone else for his problems. Can I, can I borrow him for a second? That's all. And you end up having Shannon's like, oh, no, no, you know, I know where this Eddie is. He's right here. And just rips open his chest to show that this Eddie is just hanging in this demon's entrails inside of the rib cage. It's disgusting. But says, oh, he's busy at the moment. And And this is the funny thing about this is funny, you know, in a weird way. But. You do end up, first off, Eddie, who, of course, sticks with his brand and yells, it wasn't my fault. It was a mistake. I didn't know. I don't belong here. I shouldn't be in hell. Please help me. Now, with all of that, the Spectre's not here to help. You have Shavin, who says that the only reason the Spectre is here to get Eddie isn't to save a boy, because you do have the Spectre say, I need him because a boy's in danger and will die if I don't get him. What does a demon care about that? But says to the specter, you're not here to save a boy. What you're here, you're pissed because you weren't able to judge this guy yourself. He ended up dying. You didn't get a hold of him to judge him. Now here he is in hell. And in the meantime, you end up having the specter say, the only reason you have him is because you just want to screw around with me. You have no business caring about this measly guy. You know, you you run the place. What are you doing caring about care about him because you knew i cared about him and they're going back and forth with it and they start to fight you end up having the specter just end up like punching and crazy just you know spiritual attack on shadden who kind of goes down and basically says you done messed up now you don't rule here i do you know this nonsense you're not god 
and you don't belong here. The power here is mine. And then ends up saying pretty much, I am going to judge you. You like to judge people. I'm going to judge you. And I'm going to use all the methods that you do. And you get two pages of the specter just getting obliterated in all crazy ways. Bands saw blades coming and chopping them in pieces. He ends up at one point getting turned to glass, shattered by a hammer. Then the next bit is a screw just screwing into his chest. Then he's getting cut by scissors. Then you end up having, you know, acid being thrown on him. Now he's burning. Now he's being cut in half by a chainsaw. All these things that are pulled from other times that people were judged. At one point, he's actually a mirror where there are meteorites flying at it. All this crazy stuff going on, just pretty much just destroying the specter. But it's not enough. He ends up, after all this, because he is beaten down, Shavin's able to bound up, you know, the specter. He has chains, both arms, legs, and his neck, and says, twice before you have been bound, O specter, and now you are again. Your powers are great, but the powers of hell are greater. You are a fool to come here. And then the specter basically says, yeah, you think that, but my power is the power of the unavenged murder. Dead. That is my power, and you know where it really is strong? In hell. And breaks his bonds, and then attacks Shathen again with a giant, crazy green specter blast and says, now give me the soul of Eddie Vega. Blast Shathen in the stomach and the face, then ends up punching him in the gut and says, you're going to taste the hellfire from within. Blasts again where the specter's hellfire is coming out of the eyes of Shathen and then rips out Eddie Vega. Little tiny Eddie Vega just rips him out of his chest. And it's crazy. It is real intense. And the back and forth is great. And then a very demonic looking, smiling. Spectre says, I have I have what I came for, Lord of Lies. Thank you for your gracious entertainment. And he's leaving Shannon just like, a, almost looks like just an old man now, just laying in a pile of fire and guts and nonsense. And then ends up where the last thing he's going to do is put doubt in the Spectre's mind. He's going to throw out a story. Hey, I heard about this guy, this prince of the damned who repented his rebellion that a devil melded with a human host and roams the earth in service of heaven. You know, this is basically, you know what you are. You think you're better than us. You know, you aren't somebody from heaven. You're actually a repentant devil and you meld in all this. You're, you're as bad as us. And then says, are you the Lord of wrath? Would you know if you were basically saying all this stuff? Like, is that you? Are, are you the Lord of Wrath? You the Lord, What are you? Because you don't know and you never would be able to. So I'm telling you what you are. You're as bad as us. And you end up having the specter as he goes around and says, oh, you're just the Lord of Lies. You're lying. The worst thing would be for me to even listen to you, even entertain it. And this is where it's it's a very much devilish type idea here where you end up having Shadden say, well, do you think that I could tell just lies? Because I'm going to have to tell some truths so that when the lies come, they hit harder and that you don't know when I'm lying or telling the truth. So what happens if I'm telling the truth? What happens if you are the worst thing ever? Like you have actually not only been cast out of heaven, but you have cast out of hell as well. You are not anything. You are on the run from it. And you do end up having the specter kind of turn around like, hmm, 
<laughs> That's pretty tough. Like, maybe I am that, but I don't have time right here. And as he's walking up the stairs to get out of hell, you just have Shannon just laughing, just laughing at him because he knows, like, it's one of those crazy things that either he's lying, but it's got to Spectre, and that's cool, or he's not lying and pretty much, you know, the Spectre's damned and isn't what he thinks he is. But he goes up with Eddie's soul and ends up, where is the child? Where is the child that you took? And Eddie's like, oh, my God, it was my fault. He's just going to keep saying that. We put him in a vault in the Westwood Cemetery under a headstone that says Krause. There's a pipe coming up for air. You see, we planned dot, dot, dot. And the specter, as the doors of hell are closing behind him, says, I don't care what you planned. It's what you've done. I have what I came for. He has location and tosses Eddie over his shoulder like yesterday's trash back through the doors into hell. And you end up Eddie, no, as he goes back in. Well, with that, we then pull out into the morgue again where Amy is thankfully still thinking of Jim, saying, Jim, I'm right here. Where are you? Can you come back? We need you. Come back. And then, boom, you end up, ah, you have the scream and the stuff where Jim has come back. Jim Corrigan has come back in the body of Eddie and sits up, and it's just ghastly and just says, Westwood, child buried alive, Westwood Cemetery, look for Krause. And then just face plants, and he's stuck in the body, though. I mean, you see this where the body's there, there's blood, stuff like that, because it is a fresh, dead body. Uh, you end up having Lieutenant Kane's like, I got to get out of here. I got to get to this kid. You know, hey, go to the cemetery. It's buried under Krause. He goes off. He's like, oh, my God, I got to get there. And while that's going on, Jim's, he's still stuck in this dead body. This is like the vessel. And he does need Amy, you know, please think of me. And she does, and he's able to come out then. You know, the specter leaves this body. Uh, but in the meantime, you have everybody, including this kid's dad. They all go with picks and shovels. They go to the cemetery as we see that they get there. Okay, look for crust. Oh, my God, it's submerged underwater. You know, water has overcome this grave site, which also means that that pipe is underwater and that coffin down below is filling up with water as we speak. We go down into the coffin. You see the little boy crying, Mommy, Daddy, help me, as water is just coming in there. They end up where the dad, I mean, he grabs that pickaxe and holy moly, he goes to town. He is going, my boy's in there. I'm going, and they are able to save the boy. They end up coming to a point where I just hit something. All right. And they end up where, you know, Lieutenant Kane, over here, I'll do it. And he gets a big sledgehammer. Boom. They open it up. He pulls the boy up with little time to spare and gets him out. And it's such a cool deal where you have this panel, right? And the one panel is actually the coffin, but it looks like a comic book panel, but it's filled with water as you have Kane in it pulling the boy out. To his father, who's all, Billy, you're okay, you're alive. And the police all there, they're all trying to help. And then with that, you end up having the final page. And it's cool, too, because this is the specter. This is the deal. But the final, final panel is just Lieutenant Kane, who looks exhausted. He's still holding the boy. He hasn't yet been able to hand him to his dad. He's soaking wet from the rain. 
and ends up. But what did you, what did Corrigan do to get that information, Amy? What the hell have you gotten mixed up in? Again, they have saved a boy. This should be a time of celebration. But really, the people who knew what were going, they were dead. What is Jim Corrigan up to? What can he do? And and I think that basically, Lieutenant Kane, who he saw, he's seen things. Right, He even was there when Jim Corrigan appears out of nowhere and a little bit of smoke and whatever. So he sees there's things going on. But I think that this is almost the idea of like, what's the monkey paw? What is the cost of this? What's going on? And Amy, why are you getting involved? Jim Corrigan, you do your thing. You know, whatever happens to you. So it's a very grim ending to a grim story. But at the ending, it should be that you're happy. You should be like, all right, he did it. This is awesome. but. You are talking about a hero that just went in and fought the devil and was in hell and cast a soul. The the specter is not quite the hero that you usually get. So at the end, a good ending does have some darkness to it. And I think that it plays out in this perfectly. And I think that this issue is it's close to being the way it's plotted, the way the dialogue is, the way it's set up, and the way it goes all the way to the end, it, it's it's almost flawless. It really is. It's it's in what it is. It's not going to be for everyone. I'm not actually a dark, you know, universe type guy. I'm usually not because usually it gets fancy. It usually gets over the top, even pretentious at points because you can't have fun. You always have to be mystical and and there are certain things because because alan moore is my idea especially since him everybody's chasing alan moore and that sort of deal uh even like chasing a neil game but they're not alan moore neil game and whatnot those things are awesome but then the people trying to get there i think go a little too over the top this is never over the top it never loses you the idea of the dark stuff and the you know i hate to say magic because it's more like spiritual or supernatural but the supernatural aspect is never played off as a fancy thing and it never does get convoluted or confusing you see what's going on and you can tell that this stuff is not going to end up well for everyone anytime at all so i really really like it i think the art's really good as well all of that just goes into why this is in one of the best dc comics it really is and it's in the Infinite Apis has said you can go and check this out, and I think that, and I hope that people would agree. It's very quick read, too. It's one of those, you're not, you know, bogged down by over-narration in it. You're just balls to the wall through the thing as you're trying to save a little boy, which, again, is pretty universal. So check it out. I think that everybody should like it, and everybody should read it. But with all of that, let me tell you once again, first, thank you for listening. Uh, go over to our Twitter at Weird Science DC. Follow us. I promise we'll follow you back. And then you can message me and tell me what sort of things you would want me to talk about on this podcast. I would love to get suggestions and check things out. That's what this is all about. Also, go to our website at Weird Science DC Comics at G- uh, yeah, dot com. Weird Science DC Comics dot com. It's getting very late. Uh, also, then go to our Patreon. And it's patreon.com slash weird science, where, again, you can get a ton of shows, some like this, me with co-hosts, me with my man Eric, me with everybody else. And, yeah, check all that out. And then if you can subscribe, rate, and review, that'd be great. But that's it. 
Thanks for listening to another Best DC Comics podcast. I'll be back again next week. And again, I did say that I'm going to come back with a secret origins very quickly a day after this goes out. So look for that, a little origin or first appearance of the calendar man. So we'll talk about that then. Thanks, everybody, and I'll talk to you later.